A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Foundation Podcast. We're the Lorehounds, your guides to psycho history. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Apple TV Plus original series, Foundation. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 6, Why the Gods Made Wine. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for August and September. For early and ad-free access to all of our podcasts and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And if you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, consider leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help other people find our podcast, even on the lonely wastes of Terminus. We love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air, so send us feedback for the next episode. Send emails to empire at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website and there you can use our voicemail feature or the contact form and we can get those messages no problem. You can also post a message on our Discord server and uh, occasionally we cruise through there, pick up a a few interesting missives and we can um, put those into our feedback as well. There are links in the show notes for all of those resources. John... David. Episode six. Can you this believe was my it? favorite episode of Foundation ever. Seriously. Full stop. My favorite wow. ever. Oh, wow. I thought I, it was the, okay. the best packed episode full of answers and new questions and weird things that made me think about the nature of my reality. And <laughs> it was wild and I loved it. I watched this episode and I was blown the fuck away. Really? I was blown away. Wow. And uh, people were talking about how much they liked episode five while I'm watching this. And I'm thinking they are going to love episode six because it is so good. Interesting. Do you have any specifics you want to get into? We got some. I don't, chat, I don't know or do you what it save was. It for the... I mean, just so much happened. I mean, you uh-huh. have, yeah, a you lot have uh, Harry, you know, whatever the hell is happening with him. Mm-hmm. You have this this whole musing over what do you need in a second foundation you have gail kind of making moves you have uh the really cool water scene where gail is transported back i mean i just i really loved all the story beats i really liked all the performances i even liked salver you know i even liked Salver's performances. <laughs> she's starting to grow on you now huh? yeah like yeah. like a barnacle like yeah. a barnacle girl. great great <laughs> what about you <laughs> you know 
I totally agree. This was a massively packed episode when I was going through the outline. Thank you for doing the outline again this week. Um, the, uh, it, it was like really super dense. I didn't realize how dense it was. I think when I first watched this, it was later in the evening. I think it was tired and I didn't like it. I was, I thought this was a really weird episode on my first watch, but then on Hmm. second watch, taking it apart, I was like, Oh wow, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I think one of the things that took me out, well, and we can talk about it when we get to the scenes, but do you remember seeing a weird visual effect happening on the screen at times, sort of on the edge of the the framing? That was an intentional thing that they did. It's a visual language thing. Mm-hmm. We can talk about it later. Um, and I realized that from the official podcast. They, they talked a little bit of, about that. But they were doing it so much in this episode that it felt like the production was bad. Okay. And so it broke my verisimilitude. And I was like, eh, I don't like this episode. But, um, but then, yeah, going into it a second time, I'm the, this, this show is so freaking ambitious when you think about that they've just introduced a whole other faction to this storytelling with the spacers, right? There's a whole other story beat going on now. We have Terminus, we have Empire, we have the Cloud Dominion, we've got Mentalics, we've got Belrios and his army. Now we've got spacers like it's wild. Yeah, yeah a, a base of spacers. Yes. Space base. <laughs> so I, I'm just I'm kind of blown away at, at what the um, what the show is, do, what the you know, what they're setting up for for the season. I mean, if he's really swinging for eight, ep- eight seasons, that's right? too much. I still think it's too much. I don't know right. his vision. I still feel like it's too much. I hope he proves me wrong. Right. Yeah, because he's laying some serious track here. Um, yeah. This whole story within a story, this flashbacky thing, it was, uh, again, when I first watched it, it took me out because it's very film noir mm-hmm. uh, type of story, right? This femme fatale, yeah. you know, with the gun at the door and the man in the stairwell and the shadows. And I was like, well, this is weird. It was it was a very jarring for okay. me. Um, I like it. I like the backstory. Yeah, no, and I'm glad that's there. I mean, it's a massive information dump inside of a flashback, right? They're 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 setting up a whole bunch of of context for us and understanding of what the prime radiant is and how it works. Uh, This whole idea that Harry, um, you know, we we've seen him as a loveless character, but in fact, he did love. He did have a child that was never born. You asked last question. Can Harry love? Yeah. And we, we know he did at one time. Can he love again, I suppose? Yeah. This is an interesting conversation. Maybe we can weave it in later or something. But this idea, I had this idea today when I was thinking about before we got on recording. As Demerzel is to the Empire, is, is she to the Empire as the second foundation is to the first? Uh, like a check or... The one yeah. with all the information? I don't know. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she she has a larger memory than any of them. Right. And she's more well hung than any of the <laughs> empires. And she her job is to nudge the you know, if we can assume that her job is to nudge the the uh Cleons into alignment when they get out of alignment. Right. right. Um and that's the job or of snap this. their necks, you know. Or snap or. their necks or just come cleanly remove them. 
Um, so yeah, I thought that was an interesting mirroring thing, a twinning thing that they they're doing with the show. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see as we get from six into, I don't know if we're going to get, you know, somewhere in seven or eight, I, I feel like we're getting a, going to get some Demerzel stuff. And I think they seeded it a little bit in this episode. There's a one key scene that, that really caught my eye. So. Cool. Very cool. All right. So um, we've got this list of open questions that we've been sort of keeping just little things, some bit little things, some big things that we want to touch base on. Oh, and before, before I get too far, Mm -hmm. um, I saw Marilyn over the weekend. We actually got together in person, which is a a very, was very cool. And one of the things she said is just like, well, you guys, if you know, if you need research for your shows, let me know. I'm I'm a research librarian. (laughs) I said, well, you know, I have been dragging my feet on doing some background on uh, Asimov uh, and on the books. that one. <laughs> so she sent me a link today to a big Google Doc with a whole ton of notes, several pages of notes. Uh, so I think next episode I will be able to summarize that and uh, we can talk a little bit about Asimov the Man and then maybe the episode after that we can talk a little bit about the books. So yeah, that sounds good. I'm, I'm very grateful that Marilyn's doing some research because Asimov seems like a very interesting person. I was talking to a friend the other day, catching up. He said, I just picked up some Asimov novels at, at the bookstore. And uh, I said, are you watching Foundation? He said, no. I was like, well, <laughs> well I don't know what you're doing then, man. <laughs> Get on the show. It's good. It's This yeah. is, I have to say this show is going to be within the top five, no doubt. I mean, we've got to see what else is coming out of this this year. But this is definitely in my top five, I think. Yeah. It's, it's scoring strong. It's very good. I don't I don't know if it, will, if it will end there because we have a lot of good stuff coming. That's what I'm saying. But, but it's for yeah, now. Right, now. right now, probably top five. I got to think yeah. about that harder. Okay, fair enough. I don't want to we don't want to box box ourselves in too too much. But yeah, I'm feeling strong. Um, so anyway, open question. So one of the questions we had was about what Harry's father was doing with those weird sand shaped things. Well, we learned that those things are called moon shrikes, these sort of dinosaur creatures. So I think mm. we can kind of close that one off. I don't think they're going to do much more with it now that we know the backstory, mm-hmm. but we learned that that's how per- Harry learned to read patterns. That was his first practical experiment in, in, um, envisioning and learning, uh, um, uh, large scale patterns. And even though his father was, looks like an abusive asshole, um, you know, this is where he learned his mathematical art or he first really encountered it. So, um, we still don't know who tinkered with day's aura or anything about the blind angels, psycho encryption, all of this kind of stuff. So that's still holding, we're still learning about the prime radiant and uh, how and the rules by which it's operating. It, is there a sentience in it or not? We're not sure. Super positioning. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this episode, Harry clearly explains that it's in two places at once. And then if you open it up. So is that the passing ghost that Dr. Right, Selden right. in the vault referred to? Yeah, because he doesn't know that Harry exists. So I, I don't know exactly what he was referring to. Right. And then does when every every time that Harry looks at it or Gail looks at it in whatever time they're on, is it then updating something in the vault? You know, right. is it is or it, or is Calais whatever whatever the prime radiance thing was in there, mm-hmm. is that going rogue is the question. Interesting. Could do. 
right? Like, yeah, it, because it this thing was programmed between him and Yana, right? They, right, it, right. It's, it's as much Yana as it is uh, as Harry, right? Um, so yeah, so how how we're still learning the rules of how the Prime Radiant operates between the Vault and the Prime Radiant, right? So we're gonna leave that question open, I think. Uh, what and where Ignis? Yeah, we got that one. Kale, yeah, we don't know how Kale is existing. We have some theories now about Harry potentially coming at the end of this episode. Nothing's been confirmed. Slow your roll. <laughs> Strong suspicions. Strong sure. suspicions. Sure. I don't think they're oh. going to kill him off, so probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's my thought. This is like, yeah. you're going to kill, uh, um, what's his name, the actor? Blanking. Jared Harris. Jared Harris. I mean, Harris, you still got you. another Jared Harris involved, but he's less involved. It's Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, there's an answer there. Um, where's Hober going? Well, he's going to the uh, hive. The, the right. The, the, we we know that one now, <laughs> so we can close that off. And um, I'm still curious about the scars on Mar- the guard Marclay's face, and who is he and what does he want? I don't know if you're getting that one. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's yeah. it's still it's a minor question, I guess. Right, you could say. right. But then you brought up a really interesting question: is is Harry still terminally ill. I mean, he's going to be terminally something at the end of this episode. That's so. true. If he's a robot, then I would say they probably didn't put self-destruct in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, why would he, why would he die? And I think uh, Marilyn wrote in, she um, uh, figured out the name of the disease, Lethe's disease. And uh, I think we've got a feedback about that at the okay, end of the great. podcast. So great. All right, so those are sort of our open questions, and if we come up with any more, and if anybody in listener land wants to write in and point some things out, uh, I would gladly accept them. Um, some callbacks, some other things I wanted to touch on before we um, get into the episode directly. You know those three warships that jump into orbit around a planet at the, in the yeah, opening yeah. credits? I thought that that was Terminus, but now I'm not so sure. I'm okay. Um, that planet that they jump into has a moon. Now Trantor has a set of rings, so if, yeah. if they showed the rings, yeah. then that would be a clear giveaway for that. But the thing that's confusing me is every time they show that or on that planet, there's like a pattern on, like a lotus flower style pattern on mm. the planet. And when you look at Trantor, whenever you see a, 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 a picture of Trantor, like when Polly and Constant are in the ho- Rings Hotel and they look down onto Trantor, there's a little patterning that's going on on the surface. That's, you know, lights okay. from the infrastructure and stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, is Bell going to turn and he's going to jump and, you know, threaten Terminus in some way? That's an interesting theory that I Right. Had. Yeah. Uh, threaten Trantor, you mean? Yeah, sorry, sorry, threat, yeah. threat and Trantor. Um, there is another thing for the opening, and I'll save it to when we get to the scene in the um, in the show uh, episode, uh, scene by scene. But there's a there's something that we see in the opening credits that we mm-hmm. see in this episode. That's a okay. real object in the story. Okay, so, yeah, that's cool. We'll get to that when we get there. But then the uh, I wanted to mention that the title of this episode, Why the Gods Made Wine, 
That is a line that Harry says when he's cray cray in the prime radiant and he's sort of okay. screaming and ranting in his black box experimental, you know, college theater right, uh, right. stage room. Oh, he's in the void. He's in the void. Suspend and- your disbelief, David. It's, it's, <laughs> the void is, is more fun than the critique chair, right. the critic chair. <laughs> this. Well, I, you know, I, I feel like uh, I, I'm in my chair. I've got a microphone. I get to say these <laughs> things. I don't know. You do. You get to. Yeah. I'm just inviting you for the fun. <laughs> right. And it doesn't mean that I don't get pushback for the things that I say. Um, but the whole line was, God's made wine to compensate for those who cannot afford revenge. Ah. Uh. And okay. that is a line from Yana, which is a line from an author of the book. So at the end of the episode, when he's walking in the library with mm-hmm. the guy, he asks for a book, and it's this book that has this line in it. Okay. As far that's, as I That's pretty I'm fascinating. Tracking. Yeah. Wow. So what a, what thought, a deep cut. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. Hey, I'm I'm earning my big bucks, my big there my big go. ad dollar bucks. Yeah, for, you're big uh, like two cents an ad buck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about Cleon one, right? The prime Cleon, and he was saying in last episode, uh, all of these tendencies are known and accounted for when dawn and dusk confront him, right? Mm-hmm. So. This, as we know, this day is, he's weak and he's overbearing. The Imperial crest is everywhere. Um, the, uh, he says the rings are to, you know, remind the citizens that they're shackled and, you know, they're under our dominion and our control. And then we have now dominion and Queen Sarath, who's sort of challenging that. Um, but going back to day's weak and overbearing nature is that known and accounted for? Is Cleon Prime actually aware of what's going on right. in this? So right. it, it's not, I don't think it rises to the level of an open question, but it's it's something okay. I wanted to, to not let slip too far. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but th- that then led me to thinking about this parallel between foundation and empire. And as we have Demerzel to to empire as the second foundation is the first foundation. Another parallel is that they both have founding constructs they can refer to. So, mm. you know, uh, foundation waits for Harry to descend in the vault while empire has Cleon, like a Cleon version right. that they can right. go to. So it's just, again, more, more. Yeah, that's interesting. Stuff. So, all right, so that's all I had uh, there for sort of weird, interesting callbacks from from previous episodes. So I liked it. You you had some deep cuts there, and I appreciate that. Thank you. It was you got real lore houndy with it. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know, I got a critic's chair, I got a microphone, I might as well sweat the details a little bit. There right? you go. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of details, some details on our coverage. Uh, you read the books a while ago, didn't quite finish it. And uh, it's it's old in your memory, so you old might not have everything memory. fresh. Right. I read book one and I dropped it because it was boring. And um, <laughs> do you know? <laughs> that's apparently, kind of how I felt about it. When Asimov was, I just learned this today. Um, apparently, when Asimov was contracted to to uh, revive Foundation and to write mm-hmm. some you know prequel books and stuff, he read his three books and he called his own work boring. I mean, it is. 
It's very boring. <laughs> it's just like nothing happened. There's no tension. Right. You know, right. they're it, just like, and then there's going to be a crisis, but don't worry, we've got a plan and it will be solved. And right. And so, yeah. so he even sort of said in his own lifetime, wow, whew, those are, you know, good ideas, but you right. know, would I have done them differently? I would you like know, to there's, think so. There's this thing that Vonnegut does in his science fiction where he has a science fiction writer with that's kind of a self insert in, mm-hmm. in his books named Kilgore Trout. And mm-hmm. he uses this guy to like roast sci fi writers, including himself. Oh, God. I never, never picked up on that. It's so funny. That's and good. there's even this running joke where like in one of the books, he just constantly is like coming up with new ideas in his internal monologue. And he and Vonnegut has all these like one paragraph sci fi novels. Mm, interesting. He's like, and then they realized that everyone were, was cows or something like that. You know, like <laughs> like weird, like pulpy stuff that right. that is, but like has like some kind of central moral, like sci, like classic sci-fi did. And uh, it just it just makes me think of it when we talk about Asimov. Like this, it's it's just like idea based story rather than a narrative based story. Right. 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 We'll, we'll put Vonnegut on the list if we ever uh, run out of TV shows to uh, cover the strike. Continues. It might happen next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. see. But right now we have two months to cover. So uh, we do have screeners. So we're we're watching the episode that we're covering and no further. But we are watching a little earlier than everyone else, which means we can get the episodes out the day that the embargo lifts, which is Friday morning. Uh, so this episode will be out then, as will all the episodes of Foundation now, it's time to take a break, David. Okay, sounds because good. Because <laughs> it's been 20 minutes and we haven't talked about the episode yet. Hey, so we'll you know, see you in a, a moment. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. And we're back, and it's time to break down the episode. All right, I'm going to start off here with the summary. The first scene, we open with Harry by the shore, remembering a stampede. Salver tells him that she's been having strange dreams, then talks to Josiah, who talks back with unvoicing, and uh, shows Salver his past trauma. Tellum saved Josiah when he was persecuted. Salver then has visions of all the Mentalics' experiences. Tellum says either Mentalics are treated as gods among men or wolves among sheep. David, Josiah, what did you think of the naming of him? Do you think this is related to the biblical king? Uh, I think you're going to have to go Lorehound deep cut for me on that then. Josiah was the king of of Judah Mm -hmm. who saw everybody praying to idols and whatnot and found a copy of the Torah and went, oh, my God, we got to get back to this. And he was basically this, like, last good king of Judah that saved the nation from God's wrath for a a while. And I'm wondering if he's going to play a role similar. Interesting. In this against maybe Telem is the evil king. Uh-huh. You know, queen here, but the evil leader that's going to take them down a bad path. Josiah sort of brings them back to righteousness. Interesting. I like it. Can I put it in the open questions? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to put Josiah down there. Uh, I like it. I think they put a lot of time into showing us that particular thing. I mean, obviously it's mm-hmm. context to show us 
tellum and what the the mentalics right. are, you know, how how that all has been come to pass. But they did give Josiah a little bit right. more prominence than just sort of a, a generic thing. So they did. And it did feel very much like this, you know, very scripted moment to make Gail trust Tellum and the Mentalics more. Right. Right. You know, this felt very intentional. So along with that intentional thing, and I, I mentioned this at the before the break, there is this lens blurring effect on the edges of the frame. And you'll probably start to notice it now, not unlike when Westworld went to a a different aspect ratio, you know, they they squeezed it down to whatever. So you get black bars above and below the the image. Um, They're doing this with this sort of fisheye blurry weird mm-hmm. thing where things in the center are in focus but on the on the outer edges of it it's it's warped and and looks weird and you'll notice it in the in one of these scenes uh at, when in the opening and this is this effect that is a visual language to us to not trust the point of view of the character that we're with in that moment hmm that yeah. something's going on with yeah. them. Some some metallic, you know, mashugana is is going on here. A lot of mashugana in this episode. Yes, there is a lot of mashugana. Uh, so I think you know we. I, I think it, this was effect was when when Harry was remembering the dino creatures uh, when yeah. it was on him, or was it on with? Uh, oh boy, now I can't remember. I have my notes, but I didn't make a note of who was experiencing right, right. that. So somebody's experiencing it. Right. I do think that this the. The dino thing was either a result of Tellum mentioning it and, you know, triggering Harry's memory or she's actually manipulating his memories to bring him back there. Right. And she's been I think Harry's been under mental assault the entire time. Yeah. They've been trying to probe his brain and pick at him and and get stuff from him and appearing as Raish. Yeah. So which if he's a robot, why would that work? Yes. Big question, big open question on that. So yeah, I don't. I'm not fully convinced he's a robot, mostly because of that. Okay, but then you know when when Dominion says that you know when they when they touched uh, Demerzel or whatever, she feels his flesh and blood and mm-hmm. right. But she's so. got the decentralized nervous system. Listen, if Demerzel comes to this planet and goes, "Wow, my head feels funny," then sure, I'm convinced. Right. But, but <laughs> right, I don't think that's right. going to happen. And they're still rolling out a lot of the rules of the game for how Mentalics works, right? right? We don't right. understand a lot yet. and But one of the rules that they laid out in this scene was this connectivity between music and thought. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right, when she blows the whistle and, and yeah. Josiah yeah, is like, it. ow. That's not it. <laughs> so yep. I thought of you when when I saw that because, I, you know, as a, you know, as a musical person, I thought, you know, right. oh, this, this could be an interesting angle for John. Music is very, it's it's very powerful in bringing back memories. You hear a song and you often are brought back to a place where you were with that song. I was listening to Green Day the other day and I was brought back to being on the school bus and blasting that in my ears. Okay. In middle school. You know, it's just, it's just something that can, that can really like bring you back. It can trigger your memory. It bypasses a lot of uh, precognitive thought. It just goes right in and, and right. starts activating. You can't stop the right. hear. You can't stop yourself from hearing it. Right? right. Same with smell or taste. I guess would be the same. Yeah. There's just no yeah. way. Smell for you is, to- I think, even more 
right. you know, more tied to memory than music and then hearing is. Which is interesting because that's how Tellum uses um, part of the the thing that she does with Gail later is that there's a that smell, right. that grounding right. thing that you can't right. you can't stop it from coming in. So exactly. Um, one production detail I wanted to call out and nerding out on the production stuff was they were using the dolly zoom technique which is how you get that weird vertigo effect where you're, mm-hmm. you know, the, the person is staying still, but it feels like the background is shifting behind them. So right. when Salvor is talking to Josiah, they're doing that. They're bringing them closer together, but maintaining their, their relative distance. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool effect where you take the camera and you physically move the camera towards your subject. So it stays, uh, but then you, sorry, let me finish the the explanation. At the same time, you're zooming out. Mm-hmm. So the, the subject stays relative in the frame. Right. But the I've, background I've, perspective is shifting. Yeah, I've seen this happen before. Yeah. I've seen it, this it happen before. Yeah, it's, it's a very cool effect. I like it, it a lot. So they did that with Salvor and Josiah as they were talking, and I thought it was just cool. I liked it. Right. So, cool. Nerding out. And, oh, uh, last thought, too, on this. The, I think this whole thing where Salvar Salvar's in the village with all the people and they're all giving her her memories. Mm-hmm. Remember what the mule says, you know, you and your mentalics or your, your mentalic army or whatever, and, and Salvar's there dead. And it, it makes me think that this is the beginning of Salvar's pathway to becoming a leader among the mentalics. Mm. Right. Well, or, Gail may be the big mama, you know, yeah. the big person okay. in charge. Okay. You're saying she's she's deputy. Yeah, exactly. Deputy she's Sal. a general or she's mm-hmm. a, you know, squad leader or whatever you want to, you know, but she's uh, she's You, you can't just hand out general like you're in Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, General uh, Sandula, you know, she just got, <laughs> they, they threw her some candy, right? They so give everybody a generalship in, they do. in uh, Star Wars. Everybody's got like 10 stars on their general hat in it's Star ridiculous. Wars. <laughs> Uh, check out our Ahsoka coverage uh, yeah. starting now, uh, yeah. next week. We're doing it. Yeah. Full full coverage. So it's going to be fun. Exactly. Let's move on. Harry asks for Tellum's help, but she lays out her opposition to Sego history and the Second Foundation. Harry warns her of a coming mentalic threat called the Mule, which Gale has seen. Tellum denies the possibility of recognition, but after looking into Gale's memories, changes her mind in shock. Tellum tells Gail she knows she wants to save Salver and denies that the future is unavoidable. She tells Gail it's time to break free of Harry and that it's Salver's birthday. Happy birthday, Salver. Again, little steps to make Gail trust her, right? Mm-hmm. But I, and I said Gail last time. I should have said Salver. But um, I think for both of them, they both need to trust her and feel safe with the other person that they know. Mm-hmm to fully trust tell them interesting okay you know she's she's sort of using their relationship they want to have something to bond over now they have it being a metallic and being in tell group interesting yeah that's good i like that that's a um and tell is i think as crafty as harry is here right she's, more even right and she's she's manipulating gail but she's trying to be open-handed a little bit about it, you know, later on when she, we'll talk about it when we, when we get there. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I really like Tellum's 
practical nature and gritty approach to life. She's just kind of like no bullshit or, or when she is doing bullshit, it's for a very specific purpose and she has a, a specific agenda in mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really like her character a lot. And Rachel house is the uh, actor who's playing her and she's quite a big deal in New Zealand in the acting world. Yeah. She's an acting coach. She's a theater director. Uh, in 2012, she won the New Zealand Arts Foundation Laureate Award, which is like a really big deal. So I- I'm really loving her as a as a member of this cast. Uh, she's just phenomenal, I think. Yeah, she's great. She's great. So with this whole second foundation and the Mentalics thing, I don't want to go too far down this book path, but there's a book pathway here. That again really goes into that whole thing of Goyer taking apart the Lego set that was Asimov's um, uh, stories mm-hmm. and refashioning it using the building blocks. But this whole mentalics and the and the second foundation thing that is a major book thing, which I'm yeah. just going to say if you're a book yeah. reader you you kind of know. Uh, but it's really interesting to see how he's recombining and restructuring it for the television show. That's cool. No, I was just going to say, so again, like it's a really, the more that Goyer has room to run with this, the more he's earning my trust that he's actually going to do gotcha. this over this whole thing, you know, really well. I trust him a lot more this season. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I have a question for you. Do you think that, Tellum really was shocked and and believed this threat was real with the mule. I think so, yes. You think so? This wasn't yeah. like a manipulative thing of, oh my God, I'm a changed woman. Because right. I, I got a little bit of that vibe too. I got a little bit of like overreaction too. Okay, right. O- almost like, you know, you ever watch the bloopers of Liar Liar with, uh, with Jim Carrey? Never heard of it. You've never heard of this movie? <laughs> okay, well, in this movie... Jim Throw it in the Millennial Madness son. Film Fest. It's not a millennial film. This was like 2000. <laughs> um, okay. And Jim Carrey. Well, well I don't know now, what we're calling I'm your film. Recap. It's whatever it is. It's whatever okay. it is. Uh, Jim Carrey is a lawyer who's very unethical and lies his way through every case. His son makes a birthday wish that his dad can't tell lies anymore. Now he's going around. He can't tell a lie with the supernatural thing. Oh, right. And okay. In the bloopers of it, he's at trial and they in the trial. There, he and opposing counsel, this woman, are are calling each other names, and they, I guess the crew dared her to yell "overactor" at Jim Carrey, Ooh. and every and everyone, including Jim Carrey, just lost their friggin' minds. It was oh, funny. It's so funny. Now that I've talked about a Jim Carrey movie for two <laughs> full minutes, let's get back to this. I do think that Tellum was overacting a little bit. Okay. And I think that 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 like I I think she's taking it seriously, but I also think that she's like, oh, this is a great tool. Mm. to get in their heads more with Salver's death. That is the big thing she takes out of it. I, I wouldn't put it past her to um, see a strategic opportunity and really take advantage of it, full advantage mm-hmm. of it. She may have had, oh, you know, G- Gail's special and I really want her is part of our community. And then now she's like, oh, well, now she has to become the leader and I have to make the pitch mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know yeah. maybe it accelerates her, her, her planning. I think also people are complicated and good shows have complicated people and it doesn't need to be either or, right? Like she could, she could take it seriously and be acting, you know? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. I I totally agree. My, my question back though is, how much does Harry actually know about the mule? Because when he's telling Tellum about the mule and they're kind of daring her to do, you know, mm-hmm. do the vision, he sounds really convincing for only having gotten this information secondhand from sure. Gail's, you know, uh, suffocation on the. Well, on the I, I think this is, this is he won. He had time to sort of discuss this more with Gail. Sounds mm-hmm. like they have. Sure. Okay. That's fair. And enough. he's yeah. had a few days on the Island with the mentalics to sort of put together. Okay. This guy could look into her mind. That's exactly mm-hmm. what they're doing here. He's also a mentalic. He's, I, I think he's a smart guy. He can put it all together and he can formulate a, an elegant way to say it. I mean, he did stand toe to toe with empire and, and say that right, your empire, right, you know, you're, it's right. going to crumble. So yeah, I think if anything, Harry has that strong ego sense. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll take that. All right, next scene, the drunk and the monk arrive on Trantor, where they are given provisional visas and a hotel room and head out to explore Trantor on the profit's expense account. Uh, the ship porn, I just keep saying it every episode, This the ship porn in this show great. is yeah. amazing. That sort of bullet-like trajectory of the, the, oh no, this is the, sorry, that's the later one, that's Hober's ship. I'm thinking of the, yeah. the big empire ship jumping in all aflame with the rings spinning. Oh my God. It was gorgeous. It's good stuff. It's good so. stuff. And the spacers don't know yet that they're out of a job. <laughs> That's true. They're going to be a little bit upset about that. Probably. Probably. Like what, um, what do we do all this genetic engineering for? That's right. Now we're just here and we got, you know, glow in the dark people. Right. Who could just put a little thing on their wrist and, and call it good. Yeah. Um, real again on the visuals. There's a great, shot here of the rings of Trantor and Trantor and the rings of Trantor being framed by the rings of the ship as the ship sort of pulls into orbit and it's just off center. So it's not too on the nose, but again, just, you know, beautiful visuals. So yeah, uh, very cool. Um, she shines brightly by the she shore selling she 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 art. I don't know. Well, anyway. how, how often do the uh, do the spacers actually use their names? Everybody's asleep when they're working with them. Right, exactly. And they don't really interact with them. Uh, she says it's an art that we continue to perfect, although it was begun by Empire full 600 years ago when our servitude was forged. Mm. And then now we're going to go to the central hive later on. So I like it. I like this lore going on. Yeah. So how are, how are they human? Because one of the ways that we define species is that you're able to procreate and have viable offspring. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So uh, if they're human species, are they, you know, like how are we defining things here? Um, and I'll I'll drop a little hint here to some future stuff, but you know, in some cases, two species can procreate. It, like if you get a female horse and a male donkey, you get a mule that is. But, ster- but the mule is yeah, the mule's always sterile, which is how you right. know they're still different species. Hmm. Yeah. So just dropping that one in there. Those who know, <laughs> you know, book know. Ooh. They, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, interesting though, this idea of servitude and, you know, we are human. What does that really mean in, in, in this case, since they seem very mechanical and uh, yeah, I, I think it's this idea that in episode six of season two, he's dropping a whole other faction into the storyline 
it, it's wild. That is that is bold and that is big gamble uh, from a storytelling standpoint. I like it. I'm into it. Um, these rings are massive, dude. <laughs> Did you see the scale of the ships when they're docking at the rings? There's like 20 other ships docked as we go a close up into the rings, like around it. It's mm-hmm. insane. I, you know, I don't know how big your TV is. I don't have a very big TV, but it, it's wild. I got a decent TV and how, uh, how it does look good on are. there. Yeah. Although I usually watch it on my computer because screeners don't translate very well to TV. No, they don't. You know, do you have a, I, I have a, um, on Roku, uh, there's actually an uh, Apple screeners app that I can really? actually install. Yeah. I don't know because I have I've been using my TV apps lately because mm-hmm. my daughter kept losing the Fire TV remote, so I just kind of <laughs> got it away because the, the TV remote's bigger, so it's harder for her to lose. Right, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, I don't know if the Fire check maybe Fire has the the Apple TV screener app. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, going back to some more biblical stuff, when the people are coming off the ship and going through customs. It was very two by two, uh, very Noah's Ark, you know, as they're walking through the yeah, through the 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 tunnel there. I thought, oh, that's a that's a little bit that's a little on the nose there. It was interesting. I like it. I yeah. like it. I I like little little you know nods like that. Right. It's there if you want it. Um, and then uh, I guess we get to see Tamandra again. She's the the the. Um, the uh, uh, customs agent that they talk to. She's the one that arrests them later on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Was she in an earlier episode? No, she was just here. She was behind the glass. She's the one that gave them the provisional visas. Uh, Salver visits Harry for a little light inquisition and <laughs> wonders why Calais turned an immortal Harry into a mortal one. He posits a messiah theory, but Salver calls the vault his resurrection. Salver suggests it was to give him some skin in the game. Harry laments his broken relationship with Gale. Harry tells Salver that as long as Gale has her, she won't become him. Uh, I loved this debate. This is what I mean. Like the 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 dialogue and the small moments have gotten a lot better in this. Yeah. In the series. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, the biggest compliment I can give this series. It's gotten very good. It's gotten much better at being comfortable in its skin mm-hmm. enough to have these small moments and not feel like everything needs to be a spectacle. Right. And I think Leah Harvey is settling into her role. Yeah. And her her um, let's accent. not com- let's not complain about cursing of, with her this episode. <laughs> the people have spoken on our Discord and a an email and got an email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we I all think know you- how we feel about it. But I don't even think she cursed this episode. So, uh, yeah, I I agree. She's gotten a, a lot more comfortable and confident, and um, and just to have yeah, this conversation is really great. You're awfully relaxed for a man on a planet of possibly hostile psychics. <laughs> like that's, that's a fair. great little line, you know. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah. So you wrote here too. Sometimes being angry is easier than facing the truth. I mean, I've I can talk forever about that because oh, really, that's, okay, that's the main theory of patriarchy, according to some feminist scholars. Of okay, you know, you're using this anger. You're using these these band-aids to avoid grieving to avoid feeling loss mm, okay you're cutting yourself from other off from others so that you hurt won't people, have to feel people. lost when they're gone yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's uh yeah i just love that line i i thought that really hit hit things on the nose here 
Nice. Question, how did Harry not know about Gale and Raish? It seems um, great crazy question. for me to that he, you know, is he telling a lie to to Salver here, or did he really not know that those two were knocking boots? Well, we saw a lot of them, but I'm trying to think back and see if Harry ever saw a lot of them because he was a little busy planning his murder suicide. <laughs> right, his got his ascension to godhood. Yeah, he he had a lot going on at the time. I could I could forgive him some oversights. Okay. I just think it's a little bit, you know, for a guy who sees so many details like um, Pa'a doesn't have a shadow when they go in and, you know, and all of these kinds of details that he missed his son and his number one, uh, you know, his next, his uh, successor, right, uh, were in cahoots, well, not in cahoots. Were I, in I don't think Gail's his successor. I th- well, I think she is now, but I think she was actually kind of just a tool to him at that time. Okay. I think she was almost invisible to him as far but as. But when they were on the slow ship that she, he, you know, he intended her to go to Terminus to be the second right. historian there. But she was going to be the first in a line of just mm-hmm. people to manage the foundation. She wasn't going to be the new Harry. Harry was always going to show up. Right? True. Right. Harry was yeah. always going to show up and still be Harry. Right. right. She was a tool okay. to him. She was a tool to him. Raish had the real important mission of starting the second foundation. That right. was his successor. Okay. He had the whole plan. Gail was going to think that Harry was murdered and, you know, have this whole thing. Right. Okay. No, I guess that, that makes sense. And that, that furthers Tellum's argument when we get to it later of like why Gail needs to get out away from Harry. It's not a meritless argument. I have mm-hmm. to say, you know, I, I think Harry generally has good intentions, but I don't know if he always does the right thing. Well, we'll never, what is the, what was the line? Never allow your morals to, <laughs> to set your, your I values. I wrote it down later. So okay. we can get to it later. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there, there was another great line here. We've all been guilty of magical thinking at one time or another, <laughs> you know, which is true, right? You know, it's, it's this idea of sometimes your brain won't let you accept true things because it's traumatic and mm-hmm. your brain does a little gymnastics mm-hmm. and uh, then you don't believe it. <laughs> or you see the the big upside to something without the actual details of right. you know, right. how to actually achieve that or what it means if you did have that thing. So Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's move on. Tellum visits Gail on the beggar and apologizes for her treatment of Harry. She tells Gail how they find other mentalics to take in after invading Gail's memories, Tellum tells the truth about herself and tells Gail that she's afraid of dying. Tellum tells Gail she would like her to be the successor to the leader of the Mentalics, but that Harry Selden cannot be involved. In return, Tellum will train Gail so that she can protect Tellum's children and use the same skills to keep Salver alive. Yeah, this this scene, Rachel House, the actor who's playing Tellum, she's mm-hmm. so damn good. Right. This is just such a powerful scene and she's just so, I don't know, there's something very earthy and gritty uh, about her portrayal and she comes in, she's got a plan, she executes the plan pretty flawlessly and really, you know, gets right up into Gail's mm-hmm. mind uh, and then and then says, hey, look, 
I'm not coming empty handed. You know, you, you're right. I, I am asking something from you and, uh, I have something in return and I just love her straightforward. She's devious though, too. So I can't call her straightforward. I don't know. I just love, I love what's going on with tell Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, the, uh, I really appreciated the Starbucks mug that they had. Uh, the fact that the the traveler that they had looked exactly like one you could just buy at a Starbucks. Of water, whoa, 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 so of I missed that. <laughs> I just, I was just like, did you just go to the store? Did you go to Target and just pick one up? It was just right, funny. yeah, yeah. It was just funny. I, I was actually eyeballing the Prime Radiant on the table. Oh, really? Yeah, you're gonna say it's uh, it's there. Yeah, do you have receipts. Um, <laughs> I sh- I do. I took a picture. I'm going to post it in our private conversation right now. Yeah, so there's tw- they show this twice. They show Gail looking at it, uh, obviously, for once yep, uh, for yep. us during the scene. And then later in the um, flashback, the film noir yep. flashback thing, when um, Harry, I forget the name of the doctor. Uh, it's in the show notes when we get there. After she leaves the office, he taps it on the table and it sort of folds up again. Yeah. No, it looks exactly piece. like that. It looks exactly like it did when it was flat. Yeah. Yeah. So Good I'll catch. post this Good in our catch. Discord once the embargo lifts. Um, so, cool. but yeah, I think I think it's, um, I don't know how Gail's keeping it from Tellum though. She's, you know, if they can read her mind. And then I don't know, did you notice there was a whole bunch of weird uh, jumps where Tellum's here and then Tellum's there and Gail's having like, weird, yes. it's like yeah. she's having little weird memory lapses. Yeah, because she's um, cutting her off for certain periods of time. I think yeah. I think she's doing searches of the ship while Gail okay, is shut down. Right, <laughs> right. she's got her frozen there or something like right. that. And then she uses the voice. She uses the Benny Gesserit Dune right. voice on right. Gail. Unvoice. Unthink yeah. their minds. Uh, and she forces Gail to pick up the thing, but then Gail like hits her with a, you know, Chun-Li style, you know, force blast thing. Yeah, I see you have questions here. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So she used a force push. Uh, but Maybe. Tell him, tell him said that she can't use her mind to move objects, but Gail just did. Or did she get tell him to throw herself back? No, but we saw the we saw a visual effect of it mm. and other stuff in the ship. Like now I got to go back and, and rewatch this. Yeah. So that I can I can you know what I'm going to I'm going to just pull it up right now. Yeah, so I just paused the recording so I could watch this back like 10 times, uh-huh. this like two second thing. And I don't know, because I do see some like white sparks kind of coming out of her hand. Right. It looks a little like the weave. Sure. And the Wheel of Time. <laughs> wheel yeah. of Time. Hey, we're covering Wheel yeah. of Time, full full yeah. season coverage. Wow. These self-placed ads are really going for it. Um, <laughs> we might as well. Nobody yeah. else is going to. You ever, you ever watch 30 else. Rock? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I've, you know, here and there. You know how they do ads with now. This is my second tangent of the night. You know how they do ads where they make fun of the ad. Uh, yeah, I I recall some. There, there's a whole episode where they have Snapple sponsoring Uh it, and they, they, one of them, one time they look at the camera straight up and go, "Can we have our money, please?" (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, all right. So now I just looked at this scene now too, and you know what's happening. Is around what? the edge of the frame, we are getting the weird uh, distortion that tells right. us that right. we should not trust what we're seeing. So you think that 
Tellum is making Gail think that she used the force. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. To test if she's if she's susceptible to approval, whatnot. Right. Yeah. Because when Tellum goes sliding backwards, you can see it very clearly. There's this sort of fish eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's effect. definitely happening. That's you know sparks aside. That's definitely happening. And that's a good point. She can't. You can't do anything with. You can't actually move objects, right? So, Telekinesis right. versus what? Mind reading. However, however, Gil has precognition, which yes. you supposedly can't do either. Right. They uh, tell him specifically says that we've never encountered uh, precognition before. But I also think that Tellum would probably say, oh, you were a telekinetic too? Or like she would make a big deal out about that. Yeah. So I don't know. Right. I, don't know. I mean, if you had tele, I don't know. Would you rather have mind reading or telekinesis? Oh, Ooh, that's an interesting question. Telekinesis, because I don't want to know everyone's dark secrets. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. Need Could you to imagine just walking down the street? Oh, the cacophony would be terrible yeah, in New exactly. York City. Oh my exactly. lord! Exactly. Yeah, um, telekinesis, like, hey, I need a beer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, here's what I would say: is also we don't see Tellum's feet, so we don't know if she's like stumbling backwards herself, like mm-hmm. rushing backwards herself from mind control. So there's a lot of options here. I think we just are not going to get the answer tonight. No, yeah, and and it goes to this point that we're still they're still rolling out the rules of mentalics to us slowly, because right. Tellum says, "Oh, you learn fast." Right. So what did she learn? How did she learn how to do that? Was she just right. pushing her out of her mind or was she pushing her yeah, right. physically? Right. But this weird shaping, we know we can't trust what they showed us right. on the screen. So. Interesting. You can even call it the second foundation if you don't come up with something catchier. <laughs> I like that. It kind of made fun of the show too. Yeah. And, the uh, books, and yeah, we haven't had any good humor in this episode as, you know, in the last couple of episodes, we've had some really good, funny stuff. This is a very serious episode overall. It was, but it was still my favorite. Yeah. The, well, and then then to to back up that line, she says, look at you, relieved that you didn't disappoint. That's a weakness, one that I imagine Harry has used on you more than once. And he has, but so has she. Right. And she's using it. And I think this is a really important key to understanding Gail and her motivations and how Gail operates. And this to me is really damn good writing and character development. This is a very real human trait. There are people, Mm -hmm. you know, like we all have little operating principles in our head to sort of keep us moving in the right direction. And for some people it is, that's the thing is, is that we're pleasers or we want to do everything for everybody or we, you know, we want to make everybody feel good around us or whatever our little operants are. And so, and this is one of them, which is, oh, I I didn't disappoint my betters, my parents, my, you know, my boss, whatever. That's a prime motivator. And that's a very real thing. And I really appreciate the show is grounding us in real character development. And the yeah. question is then is can yeah. Gail observe that? Right. And then be able to um and then go, shift. I want to break free. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Will so, she become Freddie Mercury? Uh I don't think so, but you know she could use your mind tricks on you and and make you believe that she's Freddie okay. Mercury. So, Fair enough. Fair I, I enough. mean do, would you care? I, I guess point. not. I'd still get to hear a live Freddie Mercury performance. That's right. <laughs> so second foundation is a go, I guess. 
with Gale. Yeah, the second mentalication, you know? Right. Whatever it is. <laughs> Whatever it is. Let's move on, David, to Hobermallow, who arrives at his destination and no one seems to be about. Becky seems upset that Hober meant to stall them in deep space with no way to get home. And then a giant crazy spaceship drifts in over the spirit. This was some seriously wacky close encounters of the third kind stuff. I even I even skipped over it in the outline. I see you added it here because I was like, there's no plot here. I'm just (laughs) leaving this out. (laughs) Uh, It was it was pure visuals of a boiling ship sort of uh, smoking, you know, rising in. I just couldn't bypass it. I thought it was too good. So maybe one day I'll watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's wacky. It's wacky. Hey, you could you get to see um oh god, what's his name? Build a devil's tower out of mashed potatoes. It's it's really amazing. That sounds unpleasant. The 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 special effects at the time and the visuals of of making these spaceships and stuff it was extraordinary for for when it was made. So that's very good for all those people who were watching it right then. <laughs> and now you have, uh, have some foundation. amazing stuff. Exactly. Harry tells Salver about the purpose of the second foundation and the superposition of the prime radiant. Uh, ra- ra- radi- radio. Now ra- it's happening okay. to you. I used to yeah. be. <laughs> I can't pronounce anything. The prime radiant. He tells her that Har- that the other Harry does not have knowledge of all the plan and does not know that another Harry exists. Tell him and Gale arrive and propose that Gale takes over the Mentalics and Harry exit the plan. When Harry resists, tell him asks Harry what happened on Makota Mesa in Helicon. Ooh. So, yeah, which yeah sets up for our sort of third act of this uh, of this show. But I did like how grandpa was taking granddaughter to go fishing and, you know, teach her some life lessons sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like that. It was nice right. when she's like, I got a fish. It was super lame. The reeling in of the fish. They just had some rubber fish on the end of the line that she pulled back. It was uh, maybe maybe they were trying to go with like an alien fish kind of thing, but it did not work. It, <laughs> it did, did not the work. whole thing. And they were yeah. sitting in a weird place in the rocks, probably because they had to be so far back so they wouldn't get sprayed on for real. And right. Yeah, I just don't. I didn't buy the physicality of the scene. I bought the conversation and the interaction, but just. Yeah, yeah, it no. was fine. It was fine. Looked better than Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> uh, no, um, I edited his fundamental knowledge. Yeah, this Harry's just messing with people, right? He's what manipulating he and he messing with people. He is he's really, you know, and then, of course, now the mentalics are messing with people, right? They're editing people's, you know, memories mm-hmm. in some ways and manipulating uh, their perceptions of of reality. So, right. Uh, and again, in this scene, we get a lot of that weird lens flaring and I didn't freeze frame to see who it was happening with, but we I think later we realize what what's happened. Yeah, it's, it's Harry. It's yeah. Harry. Well, um, no, but they they do it to Gale and Salvor to convince them that Harry got mad and left in the middle of an argument. But meanwhile, they've taken Harry off to drown him. Well, he did leave in the middle of an argument. But, but he, that's he not did, he would he did actually leave though. He did actually leave, but but he was under he was they made right. him do that. Sure, I, I agree with you there. I'm just saying I think that they, they don't need to go. They don't need to trick Gale and Salver when it's actually happening. They're just tricking Harry. 
Right, right. And that's what I'm saying. I don't remember who, who they were showing us with the weird lens flaring effect. Right, so. right. Harry would do anything for love, but he won't tell Gail that she could save Salver. <laughs> Can't save your my own granddaughter, right? Yeah. No. So No, he wouldn't do that. Uh, and I love that, that, again, Harry just being so clever and he knew exactly the leverage that Tellum was going to use. And he calls her out on it and says, oh, did, did Tellum tell you this and tell you that? Right. Harry is really smart. Super, super he smart. Is. He is. He is. He's smart enough to stand in the middle of a stampede. <laughs> and yeah. And 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 <laughs> actually tell the tale and murder somebody by using the stampede. Not a bad, not a bad method. You know, no. if you're going to if you're going to go for murder, not a bad method. John, can you trust your own mind? I hope so, because I wrote the outline. <laughs> But then it, did I edit your fundamental knowledge of the uh, of the? You episode? did make a couple edits, so maybe I did. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Sure. Are you telling Bob? <laughs> I wish. Well, yeah. The, I I don't want to read your thoughts though. Uh, I'd rather have telekinesis. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Constant and Polly find their way back to their hotel room, and Polly asks her to flush his ordaline dust. Polly comes to grips with his lifelong addiction, and they discuss the role of faith in one's life. I I think. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't phrase it like that. I see you've, you've changed my thing. I would cha- I would phrase it as comparing belief and faith. You okay. know, this idea of uh, I I believe in my country and my you know my country. I could see that it's there. You know what I mean? I could see the right. flag. There is an organization that I can call my country. Mm-hmm. I have faith in a principle or a god or this mm-hmm. and that. You know, I and I think that that's what. Polly was saying is you believed because you wanted to, whereas I believed because I had proof. And yes, I don't, I don't actually agree with this. I don't agree with this framing of like, okay, it's more powerful when you don't have proof. Nah, I, I, I don't buy that, but he does. He sure does. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking of it in a slightly different way versus in the uh, belief in what he experienced as opposed to faith in what somebody else told you. So ah. she's being told that um, this guy, Harry, came out of the vault and that I shook his hand, right. right, or whatever. But I was there, so I believe that, you know, I have a belief that it happened because it happened to me. You, it didn't happen to you. We told you that it happened. And now you have faith in that story. And then Polly is saying that your faith dwarfs my belief. Yeah, I just right? disagree with him. That faith I, I, dwarfs I think that, belief? Yeah. In, in I, don't, I, don't think that I don't think there's any pride in believing something based on hearsay rather than your own experiences. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's something that I'd like to encourage in constant <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that if she if she now sees that Harry is just a man and that he makes some mistakes, that will be a healthier attitude than this faith that she has mm-hmm. right now. Right. Because she has faith in the foundation while he has belief because he was I think there. she has faith in Selden. I think she has faith right. in, in the plan, you know, whereas Polly had belief in the man of Harry Selden. And actually, that belief mm-hmm. was challenged when the wrathful Selden came. 
And when mm-hmm. he had to put down the alcohol because he's going, holy shit, this guy is just a little troubling. You know, he's mm-hmm. maybe not all there. And uh, yeah, I, I just I don't just, I, I, I see what he's saying. I see what he's saying. And I disagree with it. That's what I'm hmm. saying. <laughs> but I think back to the wine thing, you know, he I think he put it down because he's he finally he, he believes in a mission that he can do. He didn't. Did he really believe in selling foundation, the religion no. of foundation? To, and and to I agree with plans? you on the I agree with you that with that on like the drugs and the overall arc. But the moment he put it down was after Harry went. I don't remember the line, but it was basically like we you need a wrathful God every now and then. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I'd be like. And I, I saw his face drop. You know what I mean? He, mm, he just mm-hmm. kind of froze for a minute and then put his wine down. And I'm thinking that is that's his moment of we need another grown up in this room mm-hmm. rather than, you know, uh, somebody with a substance abuse problem in charge. But he's pretty excited, though, to go to be an emissary and to open yeah. negotiations. So but I, is, I think he's a little bit in a in a trust but verify mode. Mm hmm. OK. I think he believes in the mission still, but I think he he is. Thinking to himself, at least I would be, okay, but I should start thinking about what I'm doing instead of just going along with orders. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I mean, it, I think the other context that we have to have is that this is a man who who has been self-medicating for a long time. Yeah. And How he's coming he lived to- 150 years? I don't know. But. <laughs> uh, they get really good health outcomes in, in the Empire. Uh, the How Empire, many murders the- does the guy had? I just don't know. <laughs> exactly. Um, that he's coming to grips with the depth of his addiction. Mm-hmm. And he's in this sort of sorrowful state, sort of hit bottom state. It's probably, you know, they've been out drinking, you know, checking out the rings of, of Trantor and whatnot. And he's feeling shame for all of his, you know, his own perceived weaknesses in, in his life. And so he's yep. trying to have this sort of moment of truth and comparing his belief and faith. So, like, there's a lot of drama involved here in, in his revelation, you know, in, in pointing out this truth of, of faith versus uh, belief. Right. So. Well, of course, then they get arrested anyway. Which is so, so good. Uh, you know, just as he delivers this line, and you always had faith constant, um, and it puts my belief to shame. Boom. <laughs> this is such great pacing. He's like, I scene. finally got my life together. And they go, you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> Actually, you know, he, he doesn't have the right. He has the obligation because his right, face is covered. Shrouded. So. I, do, I do really like that. I like that effect. When they right, yeah, it cases. is a very cool. It's terrifying, right? You're just yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah, silence yeah. completely. No senses, yeah. All right, David, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll head back to Trantor. And we're back. Day and Sarath announced their intention to marry. After Day's lackluster speech and unveiling of a statue of Sarath, the incoming queen makes a moving speech which causes heavy applause from the crowd. She pledges that their voices will be heard and their needs fulfilled. Uh, I I loved this scene. I absolutely loved this scene. Sarath 
killing it on winning yeah. over the hearts and minds of the people. No Marie Antoinette in this house. No. This is uh, a lady of the prin- people. This is very Princess of Wales. This is very Diana. Uh, she's she's the Diana, huh? Yeah, very, I very I hope she has so. a better ending. <laughs> we hope so. We hope so. Uh, quick note, the big statue was of Winneset, uh, a previous empress, okay. not of Sarah. And this is something I really wanted to. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he he makes a whole thing about Winnesette, and you know she hasn't been around. And I understand now. I misunderstood what he was saying, but I thought he was saying like, and now there's a giant queen, right? (laughs) And so this is what I wanted to say about the credit opening credit sequence. One of the figures that we see is this statue. This statue is in the opening credits, and it is of Winnesette. But then we get another statue later on, which doesn't necessarily look like Sarath. And it's the one where the robes, um, you know, there's some pyramids in the background and sort of a Mm -hmm. flat reflective surface in front with several figures to give scale. And one of the visual part of the visual of that is robes falling behind the figure. And the Mm -hmm. way that those robes fall in the opening credit sequence looks exactly like it doesn't it it doesn't the robes don't look exactly like they look in this scene but they fall the physical motion of them falling mirrors that opening credit scene of the of the robes falling behind this other figure right so i don't know what's going on there but it's definitely winnisette it's definitely in the opening credits and then who the second figure is i don't know yet interesting so, cool yeah i appreciate that cuz that that uh enlightens me on some things here uh, what'd you think of Sarah's speech and and days too? But days was kind of, it kind of fell flat, you know. <laughs> I think actually I think it landed fine, and then she just blew him out of the park. She blew him out of the water, and there's so much good acting in this whole sequence. When yeah. I, I want to pivot quickly over to Dusk, who says they smell carrion, but no one has died yet. And then we cut to day. That's a good line, yeah. And it tells, you know, there, this and another line, he says, at least we ate well while the feast was on. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this one line tells me everything I need to know about Cleon the 18th. 16th, about, right? 16th or no, he's, he's, he's the older one. I thought, I thought 17 is the, yeah, Dusk. if he's the older one, then he's, a, he's a, the lower number. Right. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I got to count yeah. backwards. It's like aperture. I got to go yeah, the yeah, opposite yeah. direction. Yeah. So yeah. So 16. So the current dusk, it just tells me everything I need to know about him and his attitudes. And he says earlier, you know, oh, there were all these problems. I just let Demerzel take care of them all. Yep. So really, yep. the writing is the so right now. Yeah, really. Yep. So, and Lee Pace. Yeah. How good his is facial his, expressions oh. when he's like, I have to look happy right now. But I am yes. furious. <laughs> and he extends out his hand and he's like, come on, darling. And she pauses for a second and he's like, get over here. And he's about to yeah. force choke her. Yeah, exactly. If he could, if he had force powers, he would have. Yep. So did you notice Demerzel touch her little stone? Is that the, um, yeah, the necklace the salt. from, or mm-hmm. is it a bracelet? I don't remember. It's some piece of jewelry from the uh, the goddesses, the triple. Yes, goddesses. exactly. Triple triple blessings. Yeah, it's that was that little stone uh, when he had to walk the the pattern uh, in mm-hmm. in season one. 
So yeah. what are they signaling there? I don't know. Yeah. But it was a huge Maybe signal. she's ready to go back to that motivation. Interesting, right? And if she is to Empire as the second foundation is supposed to be to first, what is she is she doing some course correcting that we don't know about? Is this right. whole Dominion thing? Like what like they are just shrouding her in so much mystery. Hmm. I like this. I like this. I like okay. I don't know what's going on with it, but I like it. Yeah, it's exactly. I'm like, you know, keep feeding me clues. Keep feeding me clues. I'm super right. excited. So, well, I was going to say, did you um, did you pick up on the music in this scene? No. It was very somber and tragic. Hmm. It was not triumphant and, hey, we're getting married and we're going to have royal parties and all this, but it was very, had a very tragic tonality to it. Hmm. So, Interesting. Was this... Yeah. Uh, was this internal music or was no? This? Uh, okay. It is oh, not I diegetic. Say, I was like, why is why is they playing playing music? <laughs> Mozart's Requiem to uh, right. to his speech. So yeah, I, some some serious looks are exchanged between various players here, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's. I think it. This is a pivotal pivot pivotable. I can't. All right, it. now enough Moving of you on. with that. Um, I do know somebody who knows what's going on though. Yes. It's Ober Mallow, and he enters the mystery <laughs> ship and is confronted by strange construction. Uh, and then he encounters spacers who ask him, who are you? Why have you defiled the home swarm? Ooh, trippy. Hober's look on his face when he looks up like, oh, you know, I'm Hober Mallow. It was priceless. Yeah. I thought. It was perfect. I was d- discussing with Alicia how much I wish that Hober, the actor, played Matt from The Wheel of Time. Oh, right, yeah. Because he's just that energy. It's just like... Right. Because Matt from The Wheel of Time is like a chaotic person who does not want to be the hero but keeps falling into it. Mm. And that's the energy that Hober has. Okay. So, and we uh, we have screeners for a few episodes of of Wheel of Time, so we can't say... No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> Did you watch? Have you watched yet? I have watched the first episode. Okay. I have watched the first one too. No we spoilers. can't even say if we liked it yet. No, no. <laughs> so you'll have to tune in when it's uh, embargo off. Yes. Uh, so, like I said before, huge mystery here. Spacers, uh, new faction, major new development. And if this comes from the books, I have no idea where this comes from because it's not. I, in the, I have in the no book idea. Stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's robot stuff. I don't know if it's it's something else. So if anybody happens to know that if spacers exist in other parts of Asimov's storytelling, um, write in because uh, I'm really confused. I'm super interested. Uh, right. But yeah, I have no idea how to frame this from the original work. Right. So Salver asks Harry about Makota Mesa, and Harry is troubled by mental interference. He tells her that the Mentalics are after the Radiant and only Gale knows where it is and what it looks like. Harry tells Salvor to find it. Gale then tell, then gives Salvor a birthday fruit, and the two watch the beggar fly off. This was a pretty good con by mm-hmm. uh, Tellum, having the beggar fly off right after Harry was told off and is panicking right. about the, uh, the Radiant. It's pretty plausible that he would fly off to protect it, right? Right, right. And uh, yeah, the motivations, right? The the illusions have to be grounded in, in real things. You so, know, my question is, can you not make a second prime radiant? It's it's math and it's 
Is it because Yana is dead? Um, well, from what we know from all this upcoming flashback stuff, even the fact that they got a pro a working prototype was a huge deal. But they've so, had it for a long time. You tell me that Harry doesn't have a backup plan. Like, oh, we fell out of the ship, and we the whole plan's just ruined now. Well, and it sat in terminus in a in a crate on the shelf for a, a long time too, right? So, right. yeah, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting question. How destructible or indestructible is the radiant? I think Harry's got to have a backup plan. And mm. here's another question: If someone takes it somewhere. Can you get it in the vault still since it's in both places at the same time? Yeah. Uh, well, if you went into the vault and then took the prime radiant and operated it, does it superposition back to you in the vault then? Away I don't from know. The- I don't know. It's a wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're telling us that it's standard quantum standard quantum um, <laughs> physics. Yeah, it's it's quantum physics, so they're they're saying that those rules as we know them apply to this thing. So I I don't know how that how that works because it's it it's superposition means that it can be it's it's nowhere until somebody observes it. Is what I think superposition means. Okay. But I got to be careful because I really don't have a grasp on it. I just know that do I. Maybe I'll do research on that for next week or maybe that would be dope. That'd Marilyn be will cool. do it. Uh, and, and just on this scene, uh, as you said, you know, it's a con. It is because the scene starts off with that warp perspective again. Yeah. So they're, they're manipulating that signaling that Gail and, and Salvor were manipulated in this. So. Yeah. And Harry really is just having a hard time here. He's like, ah, his brain just isn't working. Right. Uh, we then get a drone shot across the water and see Harry Selden chained to four pillars with his head just above the water. Tell him taunts Harry and insists Gale and Salver will think he left. She thinks Vanek, uh, she tells Vanek not to leave until Harry is dead. So Harry's a robot. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he could be. He probably is. They're probably not going to kill off this character or they're going to have... I don't know, because he, he did look very drowned there. Uh, what's the meme with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, like pointing at the screen? Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. You know, I, that that was me at the end of the episode completely when they're panning up, when they're zooming up away from Harry in the water and he's floating right. there. And I'm like, he's a robot. <laughs> right. So I get you. I get you. This isn't murder, by the way. It's not murder. It's not murder, by the way, because Tellum wouldn't kill one of her own. Oh, right, right. He's, Boy, she yeah. is a bit of a mentalic supremacist, huh? <laughs> completely, completely. Uh, and she's not, what's the, she, she's, she's very uh, biased against non-mentalics to the point right. that like, you, you guys murder your own. I'm not going to let you murder any of us. F mm-hmm. off, right? And and you've crossed, yeah, like I'm I'm going to, I don't know. She's very, yeah. You know, she goes, it. you study patterns. You, you wrote this here. You study patterns. You know what your kind does. Violence against any deviation from the majority. Well, guess who's the majority on this planet? Exactly. The and they're That's taking right. out the only deviation from their majority. Right. So shut up, Tellenbaum. We don't like you. <laughs> she does not like Harry either. So <laughs> it's, it's mutual. Yeah. Harry flashes back to his childhood on Helicon, where he observes the patterns of migrating animals. 
He stands in the middle of a stampede with his eyes closed and comes out unscathed. He tells his parents he followed the pattern and his father hits him. Right. So these were these um, moon shrikes. These are the things mm-hmm. that his father was studying. So check there. I like this idea of this like running start they have. <laughs> right. <laughs> so interesting, you know, that his his idea, I mean, he's actually willing to put himself on the line to test his theories. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. But I and he was confident, right? He was confident. Yeah. I'm I'm going to walk away from this. Right. Right. So at a very early age, Harry is Harry. He you know, right. with this very strong ego sense. Yeah. Know, oh my good. god. That's so scary if you're a parent. Like watching your kid do that. Are you kidding? What does he say? Step away from the child. The child. What? You know? Yeah. Dude. Anyway. Yeah. All right. I can't. I can't. Yep. We flash forward to Harry's early career where he gets scolded for pushing research that says all empires fall and that large groups have power to affect change. Dr. Yana Kine arrives and claims a spot in Harry's office. Yana is dismissive of psychohistory, but tells him they'll do wonderful things together. Sometime later on Helicon, Harry and Yana have a work conversation that turns into a courtship. I love this line. Why do you want to know about my father? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was very cute. She knew she was messing with him. So, right, right. You know. Right. And he, he's like, well, that's not what I meant. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm being cute. <laughs> Um, so the actor here who's playing Yana is Nimrat Kaur. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this. Kaur? Nimrat Kaur. She's, a, again, another very successful actor. And um, one of the things that I'm really appreciating about this season, and I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it again, is that Goyer's casting from a really wide net and he's going out into the world and he's finding these actors either new and sort of up and coming, say with Leah Harvey or, um, um, oh, I forget, uh, uh, Gail's actress. Um, anyway, um, or established powerhouses that we just in, in the American TV market just have not been exposed to and that he's bringing them in. And I just love what he is doing and how he's running this production in it from that standpoint. Yeah, she was great in this. Yeah. She was so. great. She lives to concur. <laughs> That's a nice way to live, right? Yep. Harry sees Dr. Taj. Taj? Is that how we're saying this? Tajed. 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 Right in. Harry sees Dr. Taj speaking with a mysterious person, then meets Yana to demonstrate a prototype of the Prime Radiant. We learn that Yana had been creating a visual device for Harry's theory. Yana gives Harry a necklace matching hers that announces she's pregnant. The pendant is the shape of the vault. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's yeah, good. That's good. It's very, very vaulty. Yeah. Also, I wrote here that it, it announces the pregnancy. That's not really what it does. It's uh, I, I guess it, it kind of does because it's built to give both heartbeats, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was right. Yeah. You know what? Not correct in that one. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're okay. Yep. Uh, this is too, this whole meeting in the stairwell, this mysterious hatted person and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's all very film noir This whole little uh, vignette was very, had a very yeah. distinctive style. I liked it. I liked what they did here. Okay. 
Harry and Yana are offered professorships at Streeling University on Trantor to be more transparent to Empire. Dr. Taj tells him Empire owns everything they create and hiding the primate radiant is not right. Yana tells Harry Empire is telling Dr. Taj to bring them the prime radiant or Selden. When Harry refuses to go to Streeling University, Yana tells him to hide the prime radiant very well. So I mentioned this before, when the Prime Radiant is, uh, when Dr. Taj leaves, Harry taps his desk and the Prime Radiant sort of folds up. Yep. Yep. So, you know, again, we know that it can take other shapes. It doesn't have to be in this geometric form. So. Yeah. How did he end up at Streeling anyway, after killing a very loyal servant of Empire? Well, he, he... Yeah, he he was able to manipulate the story, wasn't he? He was able to have plausible deniability, and he manipulated the oh, story. Right, I don't right. know how. I don't know what. Oh, the story we got caught is. in a stampede, and she just didn't make it. Well, she killed his wife, right? So, so maybe he played the innocent, like, oh, I don't know what happened. You know, she was trying to blackmail right. us, and she, right. you know, killed him by accident or whatever. So, but there's no like ship log that they both went off on the same ship. It transfers yeah, records right? of everything. Right, and he hacked the trigger lock. He hacked the 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 car navigation system. No, fair system. enough. Fair enough. So you know, he's a pretty maybe, good hacker. We learned. Maybe out in Helicon, you know, they're not. You know, it's not an Empire facility in 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 the right. sense that it has that highest level of security. Right. Couple of things here, really quick. Tucked up against the ribs is the best place to slide in a knife, is what Yana says. And if you recall the line that Dr. Selden, right, the Harry in the, in the, in the, who's he, what's it, in the vault, mm-hmm. says to Hober, you know, uh, you got to have a knife behind your back. Right. So again, really nice uh, connective uh, tissue here between stuff that Harry is doing. Right. And then just to say something about the books and what goes on on, Trantor, if you know, you know. <laughs> so just a okay. wink and a nod to the book readers about Trantor here. So Okay. All right. I'm buying it. Dr. Taj kidnaps Yana at gunpoint. Harry gets an alert on his matching necklace. Harry confronts Dr. Taj, who tells him to give her the radiant and the car will take him to Yana. Harry takes control of the car and tells her he got her into her data and knows Yana is dead already. Harry tells Dr. Taj the heartbeat necklace signal stopped shortly before she gave him an ultimatum so yeah i mean uh it's very sad it's very sad uh harry was very smart to not buy what she was saying though one question i had though was would it have stopped if the necklace just got taken off um i don't know i don't know how the necklace works so i just how is how is he convinced that like she's not like been put into different clothes and had the necklace taken away. She's dead. right. Yeah, no, I guess uh, we just have to take it. We have just to assume that it is somehow, yeah. you know, there, there's some there's sort a of different electronic. alert. There's a different alert if it's like, right on, but the heart stopped or if the, uh, maybe, maybe it's built for that so that you can take a shower with it off, but you'll know if something's wrong with the baby. Right. Maybe there's like a subdermal implant or something like that that transmits right. to the pendant and the pendant is just yeah, I don't a, know. A, a receiver thing. So I don't know. Anyway. Interesting. 
Dr. Taj pulls her gun out and tells Harry to give her the Prime Radiant, but Harry hacked the trigger lock. She says she didn't mean to let Yana die, but Harry calls her out for killing her while tied to a chair. The stampede comes and Harry holds them both in a safe spot. When Harry lets Dr. Taj go, she falls into the stampede. There you go. Um, so ends the story of Dr. Taj. Yeah, so ends the story of Dr. Taj. And I, th- I think it's re- what I found interesting from this whole thing was that Harry's plan and the the prime radiant, all of that is all bound within his love for Yana and the death and the murder of his, you know, child, his unborn child. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tragic story in that way. And this is very far from the original books Yeah, in terms of, of the first three original books, very dry and very theoretical and all conversational. And in the show, they're really grounding Harry's motivations deeply inside of this question of love. And, you know, and we're debating, you know, how do you account for love within psychohistory? Right. Yeah. Oof. That's pretty tricky. I got to say. Good stuff. I got to say. Uh, long enough later to grow a bad goatee, <laughs> Harry has taken the position at hey, don't, don't University. Don't give the VFX uh, de-aging team a hard time about their you know, <laughs> fake goatee. I actually thought I thought the de-aging looked pretty good overall. It wasn't bad. It wasn't it bad. It was, as far as de-aging goes, it was good. Yeah. Uh, the goatee they was are, horrible. <laughs> they're, they're, the production value on this, yeah, when it counts, they're spending their money in the right places, like with the ships and right. planet views and things right. like that, for sure. The fish, the goatees, can, we, we can let go of the fish yes. and the goatee. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we had to scrap the, we spent so much money on the on the, the scenes of the ships jumping in that we just had to buy a $4 rubber fish from the, <laughs> from the local novelty shop. Yep, yep. Uh, so Harry's taken the position at Streeling University and receives a book recommended by Yana. In the present, Harry is beginning to drown and has flashbacks of Yana. He goes still as the episode ends. So this book is from Gorik Tarka of Kalda. And then, like I said, at the top of it, this is um, this line of uh, why the gods made wine came from this. So I don't know if they're seeding more stuff for us for later uh, or if they just wrapping a bow around this, but yeah. it was nice. I, I think probably more the latter, but I'm open to other things. Yeah. Uh, one production note and one interesting detail note there's a beam of light as they walk into the there's kind of this overhead shot and they walk in and as the doors close behind them, it turns into this sort of almost um, beam of light that shoots forward. So like there's there's light behind the door. The door closes, shadowing and narrowing the light. So it's this direct line. And it just really reminded me of when the foundation ships jump in. There's this like very straight line of, of light that that is there. But the other story note that I wanted to mention is the guy who walks in with Harry mm-hmm. here and gives him the book. That's the spy who came with Gail when she jumped in from um, her planet, which I'm blanking the name on now, um, and was there when she was arrested and he talked to her a bunch about like, hey, you know, if you want to live a nice life, just say that Harry's crazy. Yeah, same dude, same dude. Okay. So right. the the Empire's been watching Harry for a while. Right. So he's got a minder. He's got a close minder. And sure not does. only was the guy there, but he was the guy who brought Gail 
you know, who, who, who escorted, um, not as he traveled, you know, was a fellow traveler. He was in the little crish next to her and, and chatted with her as they came onto the, onto, um, onto Trantor. Do you know who else has minders, David? Who? We do because we have listener feedback. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a few here. Yeah. First up, we have Dominic P via Empire at the Lorehounds.com where you can send in your feedback. He says, Harry did in fact have a life partner. Uh, I think it's more probable that it was hard for him to love again when he's lost someone that coupled with his past uh, with his father being a father and possibly having lost a child. I think he was afraid to love, not incapable of it. Well, well, we got our answer. Good job, Dominic. You could have scripted this episode. <laughs> All right. Cincinnati Joe says something that bugs me about the magic vault on Terminus. Like 200 years earlier, Harry somehow crafted this coffin ship that could transform into this massive structure with the force field using tech that apparently no one in the foundation even understood. Each time we see it, it gets more amazing. It could vaporize people, move them against their will, be bigger on the inside, replicate food for them like on Star Trek, and then dilate them as well. Dilate oh, and time. it exists in superposition with the other virtual Harry. <laughs> a dilate in time, right? Who now magically has a human body, but that's another story. It's just so much. What do you think of the magic vault? If I recall correctly, the powers are mostly a show creation as the book one just played recordings of Harry. Well, that's way more boring. Isaac yeah, Asimov. <laughs> the, <laughs> the the book one was literally, I believe, a vault, like a room mm -hmm. inside of a room. And uh, it would. But of course, you know, Asimov, when he wrote these, he didn't have examples of imagination of, of things that we could do, computing powers and technology. So right, the fact right. that you could have a, a hologram talking to you uh, or, or I don't even think the book. Harry was interactive. I can't mm -hmm. remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, book readers, but um, it was more of a recording. Okay. And one of the funny scenes or interesting things in the book is, is when they first realize that they're off course is that he's, the recording is talking about a bunch of stuff and they're all like, what? None of that happened. That was mm. weird. What's going on? Oh crap. We're like off course. Right. Okay. So, that's fun. That's yeah. fun. Um, um, Magic vault powers. What do you think? Oh, I not. I'm unbothered by it. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, and I I think that it's plausible that Harry did not trust Empire and so did not make public a lot of his math that was behind a lot of this technology. How he manufactured it, I don't know. That's I guess a plot hole. Um, I'm kind of just going with it because I think this show is more about the big ideas than it is the details. It's not the expanse, right? It's not this hyper realistic what would happen if we had a fusion drive mm -hmm. it is more so what's a big idea of how do we make population shift with psychics and whatnot right you know? so i'm i think that's where i'm at i'm willing to suspend my disbelief but i see your criticism joe that it is not tied up neatly yeah i i i i also agree with the criticism and i think i'm also with you in that I'm good with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's like it, you're absolutely right, Joe. It's just I, I think that this show, it's just never going to be that kind of expanse. Let's check all the boxes of how mm -hmm. what the science would do to your body if you went through space at certain speeds, you know, because being asleep isn't going to help you if you're really going through space at hyper speed. In the expanse to the point that the the little point defense guns on the ships, yeah, yeah. when they fired, 
if you, and there's like YouTube videos about this and stuff like that, you can see on the back of the gun, there's a little jet of flame. So every time the thing goes, there's a little from behind it because the velocity, you know, the, 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 the energy uh-huh. of the bullet leaving the chamber would push the gun backwards, mm-hmm. thus rotating the ship away from the, the force of the bullet. So they counter it by shooting a little force yeah, of jet yeah. out the back of it so that it stays stable, right? Two energies counseling each other right. out. That's an inc- that is in the VFX of the Expanse. Every right. gun battle of the right. ships, they have that, that kind of level of detail. This is right. not that show. <laughs> no, exactly. As you said, so that's as you said. that's just what I'm gonna get down to. Is I'm right. I'm willing to forgo it for the big ideas. The vault coffin thing, though, is a pretty dope crib. As as dope cribs go, it is <laughs> right. It is. It's you know, replicating. I mean, what, what more could you ask for? That's, that's not right. a New York City apartment. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, you don't have to put your jeans in the oven. You don't have to use your oven <laughs> as a closet. Well, thanks, Joe. All right, next up is Marilyn Arpukila. She wrote in after episode five, so keep in mind she's referencing that when she talks about the episode. Uh, This was an astonishing episode, all the more so because I heard that this is the shortest episode so far. How can that be when there was so much there? I felt that way this episode, honestly. Uh, Just in case you don't remember, pun intended, the Lethe was a river of forgetfulness in ancient Greek underworld. Uh, souls were supposed to drink from it in order to forget their past lives. An interesting choice for naming Harry's lethal disease, don't you think? So when I saw Marilyn uh, in person, we were actually talking about this. And I don't remember. She somehow uh, pulled this uh, the name of this up. And she thought we one of us had said it in the in our one of our podcasts. But I don't mm-hmm. think either of us ever remember. Yeah, I didn't remember what it was called. So, so good job, Marilyn, for pulling it out of the ether from however you yeah. got it. I don't know, but I think that's very cool that uh, the show, especially episode five, dealing with memory, that that is Harry's uh, terminal disease. It's a really, right, right. this is what, just to slightly segue, not too far off, but regarding the sag after and WGA strike. This is what writers do. They don't just put words on paper. They go find stuff like this. They go figure right. out Josiah. Oh, yep. that's a name of a you know Judea king, and you know it represents this and Banyan tree that and Lethe, the river of forgetfulness. This is what writers do. And right. when you re- subtract that from productions, you are making you know. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a food comparison, you know, a French, French fries from one shop to another. You're but eating Stouffer's meatloaf. There you go. As opposed to, you know, grandma's home cooked, right? It's, there's a, there's a difference. So right. anyway, rant over. All right. She continues. Thank you so much, John, for the Esther connection. It was super. Now I'm waiting to see the Gilgamesh and Inanna storylines. Nice. Gilgamesh. Right. Good call out. I'm We've got uh, Bhagavad Gita. So, you know, I, these, they're again, they're pulling all they of this sort mythology. of religious and philosophical and mythological stuff. So really, yep. really dense layer cake. Yeah. I think the question underlying the memory content, which has not been raised yet to my knowledge, is are you still yourself if you don't have your memories? It's certainly something that anyone with Alzheimer's in their family history will wonder about from time to time. Absolutely. In my family Mm. history, I think about this all the time. Really? Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah. I watched my grandma forget who she was, and that's – it is, you know, who who are you if you don't have your experiences? That's true. Uh, yeah. I haven't had uh, any direct relatives have it. I've been, I've seen it. I've been around it, but sort of tangentially. So yeah, I haven't have watched it up close. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, it's really, 
It'd be hard to, to see that. Yeah. To, to, to watch somebody go through that. Absolutely. So uh, Marilyn continues calling back to previous episodes. I think the reason why Demerzel trusts Bell so much is because the first loyalty for both of them is to Empire rather mm. than to the Emperors. Well, I guess, nice. I guess it's still Empire in this universe, but I, I see your distinction, Marilyn, and I don't know how else to make that distinction. The institution <laughs> versus the man. Right, right, right. The man is the institution, but the institution spans more than one individual of right. more than one exponent. Right. right. It's the totality right. of the exponents. Mm -hmm. uh, she says, I think she's working to erode this day to, in order to foil his plan for biological succession oh. and his well hung memory. Oh, uh, she joined the she joined the uh, nice the one. end of semester talk. Can I slow uh, clap that one? <laughs> uh, which she would see as a threat to empire and to the intentions of the first Cleon, who it seems she did have feelings for. And I think that Day and Sarath were made for each other and deserve each other. Oh, Ooh, do you? I don't know if I other? agree with that. De yeah, deserve. Maybe they were Ooh. made for each other, but boy, uh, I think Sarath Sarath has a bit more moral than Day in my eyes right now. But uh, to what ends is Sarath going to go? And right. I mean, I think she's on a mission of she's on a revenge esque, a revenge adjacent mission. Sure. Right. Uh, sure. And and even though she's saying, what is her line? Something about your um, your requests are our obligations or or what have you. I don't know yeah. that that's true. I don't know well, that she yeah. believes that. Right. Yeah. Good question. Is she, is she just she, doing that to win the people so she can overthrow the empire? I don't know. Yeah, and and so for Day and Sarath, they're yeah, they're two young people, right? Sure, the, that's more of a match than Grandpa and, right. and Sarath, right? So right. Yeah. interesting. She continues speaking of the first Cleon. I think that Dawn and Dusk worship him in the same way the Foundation worships Harry. Each founder has become the personification of the ideals and goals that each group is focusing on. Yeah. If Dawn, Day, and Dusk together are all one personification of the first Cleon, then why wouldn't they each have approximately one third of his memory? Good question. I think I think she means the length here. You know, like the right, amount the, of memory here. What do we call them? The the little yeah, the little seed kernels of memory things that they're right. measuring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but a Dusk should be more up at the two hundred number. And, and a third, a third, a third. Yeah, interesting. Right, right. Uh, but I do like this twinning or this paralleling between that they're doing all over the show of Foundation and Empire and the little things. Oh, robots, clones, uh, uh, you know, all of this stuff. It's good. Right. She continues, Harry's inability to hear the whispers put me in mind of Ged and Cobb in Earthsea. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Check out our Earthsea coverage. Yep. Uh, we'll be resuming in September with Tehanu. Uh, then she says, as long as I'm counting correctly, it would seems to me now that there are three prime radiants, one on Terminus, one on Una's world and one on the beggar. Does it matter if one gets broken? Good question. I was thinking that before. Uh, it yeah, seems good, to yeah. me that not having a second foundation is the more serious problem. Also, I think that there are sighted folks on Trantor already keeping their culture caught up on the details about Empire. Possibly the guard working for Sarath is one of them. Oh, uh -huh. that's a good theory. That's a good theory. See? 
Yeah, the that the uh, the visual language between Ignis and uh, and Trantor. So yeah I, yeah, I totally am on board with that. I I think that's interesting too. That I I wouldn't put it past Tellum to have a spy network. I think that would oh be yeah, very smart of her. She lives to spy. Yeah, just like Yana lived to concur. <laughs> uh but i think we it's confirmed now that there's only one prime radiant that's super positioned right right so. and i think it's only in two places i don't think that una's world has a prime radiant i think no. that's a different entity i think right. i think he was sent there but then you know? how yeah and the question is is how what was in the prime radiant that was able to talk to harry to get him to go to una's world and then encounter right right it again as a lot of mysteries world. a lot so. of mysteries here but marilyn leaves us with a question how many cataphils can dance in the head of a Cleon? <laughs> I will I will answer bump, bump, bump. fewer than they want to. Oh, very good. That is a very pragmatic answer. Well, thanks, Marilyn, for writing in. That was a fun feedback. Uh, Jordan M. writes in, love all your podcasts, but holy FSM. Do you know what this means? <laughs> no, I don't know what FSM means. I don't either. Write in. Yeah. Uh, get over the cussing <laughs> and foundation. <laughs> I don't think I would have even noticed if it weren't for your seeming incessant whining about it. Sorry, <laughs> just struck a nerve. In happier news, you guys rock. And thanks uh, for all the amazing content. This was some whiplash in this, in this email. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> it was like, love you, but you suck. But right. we love you. <laughs> well, well checked. Well, well, well. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. It was, it's a compliment sandwich. I just realized that's what yes, it is. Yes, it is. You're right. Look at that. Look at a that. Perfect sandwich uh, well, formulation. Well, Incaps, thank you, very Jordan. short. It what was a, a sli- it? it was a, uh, what are those sliders? It was a tiny little sandwich. Right. Well, well, thank you, Jordan, for the sandwich. It was delicious. Kim M writes in via the contact form at thelorehounds.com. Hi, Lorehounds. I hope this is the correct way to contact you about Foundation. It is, uh, because you can go to thelorehounds.com or thelorehounds.com slash contact and do the same thing as Kim M did. First, though, I want to tell you both how much I enjoy your podcast. I'm also a fellow nerd and love all the same movies, shows, and games. Well, great to have you, Kim. Welcome aboard. Uh, You inspired me to start a book that is full of drawings, diagrams, and words about House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, Silo, and now Foundation. Wow. I understand the world much better now, which makes them more enjoyable. Uh, I'm an artist, and I'm currently doing some world building of my own, and I don't know if I would have started on this journey without these podcasts. Thank you for all you do. I appreciate both of you and all your cool guests and fellow podcasters. Wow, this is such a lovely email. See, and Jordan, I, we're yeah. lovable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no matter our whining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Kim, that's great to hear, and I hope that uh, you'll you'll share on the Discord some of your art. That would be that would be great to see. Yeah, and and good luck with your world building. I don't know yeah. what your is it just art focused or if there's a yeah. gaming thing in here? Right, that's a, right. We you know gamers talk about world building yep, when we're running yep. you know uh, stuff. That, like that writers so. do it. Yep, yep. Yeah, All exactly. These, Very yep. cool. Very cool. Look, John, we're inspirational. Wow, so nice. And we do have a lovely family of uh, podcasters. To Absolutely. Podcast with. So Kim continues, anyway, I have a statement about Foundation. I'm not sure if it's a question. Seems to me Demerzel is more Empire than the actual Empire. Uh, Mm. She knows all about the secrets in history. She's been there the entire time for the first Cleon, and she clearly has an agenda of her own. Dawn, Day, and Dusk do whatever she says, and it seems to me she can get them to do whatever she wants in a subtle way or not so subtle. I would in say. not so subtle ways. <laughs> um, I think she's way more powerful than we know. Maybe I'll get some useless internet points for that. 
Uh, we got one plenty more of useless and, internet and listen, points to hand out. They are not useless. They are great <laughs> for your ego. Uh, she continues, one more thing, and this relates to what you said about in the latest podcast about Harry making a mistake by not including love, dumb, human emotions, hubris into his equation, which I agree with, and it's most evident with his murder. Harry and Raish both knew Gail had the capability to sense danger and knew when something big was going to happen. How did they overlook that fact before the murder? Best, Kim. Did did they know that? That's that's my question. Do we I I maybe I need to go back and watch the first couple episodes of season one. I think it, there are multiple times where Gail, like before the Starbridge fell, okay. uh, certainly when the, before the murder took place. Right. I think right. there was something else. I think so. I'm more perplexed the fact that Harry missed the fact that they were dating, I guess you could say, um, as opposed to Gail's prescience, because Gail right. didn't even know that she was prescient, but she would have right. these feelings and stuff. Yeah. And in both cases, though, the way that I'm sort of looking at uh, understanding Harry is, is that in his hubris and his big mindedness, and I think you pointed this out earlier, he's got a lot to think of. He had to make a super sweet coffin vault magic box cube to send his ashes yeah. to Terminus. He's got a lot going on. He had a Give lot a going a on. <laughs> and, you know, at some level, he doesn't look, you know, he's not looking down at some of those details. Right, right. So that's the only way that I can kind of square that circle. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they probably should have suspected something going on. But I, I do think that Harry saw Gail as a little bit disposable at the beginning. I think he kind of dismissed her as, OK, she's good at math. She'll make a good leader of this first generation of foundationers. That's it. Right. Not right. that she was as smart as him, not that she could, you know, have any special abilities. And so I, I think that the the dismissiveness of Harry towards Gail bit him in the butt. Yeah, uh, that, that's exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. He's just too, uh, too above it. Yeah, he thinks he's got Gail's number, right? So. Yeah. Well, thanks again for writing in, Kim. Uh, lovely to hear from you. I hope you're writing again. David. John. It's time for our show notes. Yes. Wrapping it up. Hit me with what's going on. We have a lot of Dune about to go on. A lot of Dune. A lot um, of June. From every feed, almost. <laughs> Basically, because um, Steve and Anthony are affiliates over at Properly Howard Movie Reviews, are about to release the third podcast in their season of covering remake movies. And they're covering the 2021 Villeneuve Dune Part 1. And we got to be on it, you, me, and Alicia, in fact. Yeah. So that's coming out on Monday, the 21st. Uh, and if you haven't heard one of these podcasts with Properly Howard, you should definitely check it out. It is proper pop culture nonsense. It is fun. They had a, a podcast that last week about White Men Can't Jump, the 2020. I, I listened to it today a bit. Did you? And uh, the Elvis banter really got me. I was laughing a lot about it. <laughs> right. It's so good. And the thing is, you don't have to have seen the movie. I don't even think I've seen either White Man yeah, me either. movies. Me either. And it's just fun to listen to Steve and Anthony have a good time talking about movies. Next up after this is going to be the 2014 RoboCop remake. Now, I loved the original RoboCop. That was awesome. So I'm looking forward to that episode. They've got uh, two, four, six, about six, six or seven more movies after that that they're covering. So they're 
their season is well under steam. And uh, so link in the show notes, but definitely go subscribe to Properly Howard Movie Review because it's a hoot. Alicia over on Woolshift Dust, um, she's pivoted her silo podcast into a Dune podcast now. It's Woolshift Dust does Dune. And they're doing, she's doing, her and her co-host Luke are doing a big 360 galaxy brain on uh, Dune, uh, on documentaries of Dune, uh, books, you know, the different books, not, they're not, it's, it's not a book club thing. Uh, the movies, video games, so that, you know, when the Villeneuve part two movie comes out later this year, if you've been following along, you will have a really good perspective on who Frank Herbert was, what these stories are about, uh, how they got made, how some of them didn't get made. Um, so it's very cool. So they dropped their first episode already, kind of a laying out the the terrain that they're going to be covering. And uh, the second one should be coming out, I think, this week. I think sometime right around yeah, when I this think so. is coming out. So Yeah, um, it's cool. It's very good stuff. So check it out. Uh, Wool Shift Dust does Dune. And then she's running her book club, too. And they're reading all three of the um, silo books, Wool Shift Dust. And uh, that's a Patreon book club. So check it out. Her at, Patreon, to be clear. Yes, her Patreon. We're not uh, involved not in that. Their Patreon. Who's Patreon? Their Patreon. Her Patreon. Wool Shift Dust um, at, um, not at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Wool Shift Dust. Link in the show notes. You'll, you'll figure it out. John, well, what do we have going on? We've got uh, too, too much. much going on. We've got too much, but it's all good stuff. We've got this weekly. We've got Ahsoka coming up next week weekly. We've already done two prep podcasts for that to recap the animated adventures of Ahsoka. So check out our feed for that. There's also a new Star Wars feed if you want one exclusively for Star Wars, if you're into the theming. And uh, so that'll be on there as well. Uh, we also have the Wheel of Time coming imminently. Yep. And we are recording our first episode very soon uh, because we have screeners. So we're going to have those out day and date as well. Uh, that's going to be dropping on Fridays starting September 1st. Then uh, you've got plenty of monthly stuff. You've got Silmarillion stories, the Lorehounds play, Skyrim. Brandon and I are going to be talking about that adventure through Tamriel, you know, talking nice. soup kind of kind of deal but uh we had a we have a great time with that i've put hundreds of hours into skyrim and i could talk about it for an hour no problem <laughs> very cool we should also mention too that we're up on youtube now so if you're a youtube person you can listen to all of our podcasts yeah. there and if you're a spotify person and you're a subscriber you can now also cross connect your spotify to your patreon and get your ad free feeds through Spotify. Yep, you couldn't yep. do that before. There was a technical thing. and they, I had uh, no idea about this. Nobody's right. ever asked even. Nobody's no. ever been like, how do I get this on Spotify? Turns out you couldn't. So I'm glad you didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Because, yeah, we wouldn't have had an answer. But now, guess what? You can connect them. So, yeah, uh, yeah listen wherever. But, yeah, I think those two things are just nice, uh, nice additions. So should we thank our... Patreon subscribers. I was going to say, speaking Patreon. of, I had a segue prepped, you know, we had the ad oh, free on, blow it for on you? Spotify. I was going to segue in. Speaking <sighs> of subscribers, we do have a Patreon. It's we're tired. We're getting episodes. punchy and we're not yep. on our uh, our humor game here. Right. Uh, so that's where you get ad free episodes, early access to a lot of our content and bonus episodes like Second Breakfast and Fireside, Shireside Chats. I'm not even Shire saying my Shire. own show right. Shireside Shire. Chats doesn't have fdr as its host it has me 
Anyway, we like to thank our lore masters or top tier patrons every podcast. And those are Samarchin, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, and Nathan T. Everyone Thank on you, this everyone. list has helped us hire more spacers to get us <laughs> through Across. these podcasts a little faster. Right. So, but really, it does help us. You know, it lets us devote resources and time to making these podcasts better, to firing off requests for screeners and getting things prepped so that things drop day and date. It's it's all part of it. So thank you so much for supporting us and helping us make this happen. Absolutely. All right, John. Well, uh, we're just in under two hours. So, hey, not bad for a packed episode of Foundation. I know. I know. We're only twice the length of the actual episode. <laughs> it's good. It's <laughs> dense material. There so. you go. There you go. Very cool. Well, I will see you for episode seven. Ciao. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>